You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Let's do this, Leroy We're back on the Pipeline Show and uh, pleased to be joined by the head coach and GM of the Portland Winterhawks. That's uh, Mike Johnston. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Coach. How are you? And how's camp so far? Well, it's been a busy week. Last week we had uh, 85 players in. We usually have uh, four teams. Is what we do and play a, a Neely Cup tournament, which we've done for several years. And it's good because we put everybody together. So we don't have a rookie camp. We have just generally everybody together. We split them up, play a tournament, and then uh, now we've narrowed down to a smaller lineup heading into the tournaments this weekend in Everett and then Tri City. When you have 80-some players in camp, is that normal for you at, at this time of year, at, you know, to start uh, with your rookie camp and things like that, or is that at a, a larger number than usual? No, we always have four teams, and so we uh, make sure that uh, quite a few of the players are 04s and 03s. So last year's draft and the year before, taking a look at some kids that maybe have slipped through the draft and, and watching them closely to see if there's somebody we might want to list or might want to sign out of that group. And you always find a couple of players, and uh, certainly it's an opportunity, too, for our, our scouts to come in and, and see these players that they've recommended to us, either through the draft or listing or free agent players, and, and take a look at those as well. I, I like that time of the year because I think as a whole staff, we rarely get together with all our scouts and have everybody together at once, so it's a, it's a nice week. All right, well, let's get to the players that uh, are in camp by looking back at last year's playoff roster and the uh, overage guys that uh, aren't back this year, obviously Joachim Blickfeld and Connor McEachern, uh, as well as off the blue line, Jared Frederick and uh, Brendan DeYoung. Uh, who else from last year's team is not back this year for the Winterhawks? Well, we have Josh Patterson, who we uh, acquired in the trade with Saskatoon uh, at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Josh is going to go to school in Edmonton. He's going to go to the University of Alberta. Um, he's a great student, and, and we we knew it at that time when we acquired him, but I really liked him as a player. He he was very good for us uh, late in the season. He's a, a great character player, but as with all players, they, they look at their options and decide when they should start to move on and, and finish their schooling, and he's made a good choice at the University of Alberta, and then there's Cody Glass, who's signed with Vegas and, and definitely going to play either with Vegas or with Chicago. Uh, and also uh, in net uh, with uh, Shane Farkas, who's uh, now in the BC division, right? Yeah, we moved uh, Shane to Victoria uh, because we had two good goaltenders and, and give him an opportunity to play. Victoria was looking for an overage goaltender after Outhouse had fin- finished and graduated. So uh, it was a good situation for both teams and certainly for Shane, who really over the last two years has, you know, improved immensely and, and it was a quality starter last year. And now as an overage, it gives him an opportunity in Victoria. Uh, Mike Johnson, the uh, head coach and the GM of the Portland Winterhawks, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. All right, let's go to uh, the goaltender or the, the players that you have still in camp. How many overage players do you have uh, with the team right now? We just have three. We have uh, Quigley on defense and, and up front, our forward group. We we have uh, Lane Gillis and uh, and Jake Grishas. Wow, goes by quick, doesn't it? Jake Grishas already an overage player in the league. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I tell the players. I say, I say your junior career is going to go by very fast. You better take advantage of it because all of a sudden, the blink of an eye, you go from a seventeen-year-old to a twenty-year-old. Uh, but uh, Jake's been 
been getting better and better every year for us. He was at San Jose's camp last year. He's going back this year to play in the rookie tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a contract this year because he's a big, strong guy, and, and he can play both ends of the ice. And uh, now he's starting to produce offensively. Well, having just the three obviously settles the that that issue for you. You don't have to worry about trying to cut down from five to three uh, with the right. overage quota. Was that by design? Did you go into this camp kind of saying, "I want to be, I don't want to have that side side story uh, that's kind of overhanging uh, on people's minds." Yeah, well, the the first decision was on on Shane Farkas, and that was made easier because Victoria had an uh, an opening, and they were looking for a player like that, and we felt in goal that we were fine with Hofer and, and uh, Giannuzzi. So that one, and then with Josh Patterson deciding to go to school, then then it brought the number down to three. So we're in, we're in a good spot that we don't have to make those hard decisions early in camp. Almost took care of itself for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, you mentioned the uh, the goaltenders, uh, Joel Hofer. I, I think everybody expects he's going to be your starter. And, and it sounds like Dante Giannuzzi has had a, a pretty good camp for you as well. Yeah, he has. He's, he's really uh, he's starting to grow. He's got... Bigger and uh, he's just a mat- mature, more mature player right now. So I think uh, as with all 16-year-olds, it's really difficult at 16 to play in our league as a goaltender. Uh, but we felt that 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 situation was the best that we had as far as options go last year, and he played half a year with us. But uh, now he's just taking another step. Now you went out of your way last year to get Hofer uh, uh, to be part of your team. Uh, is that partly in mind because you knew this year he'd be ready to take on, you know, a, a bona fide starter role and and play sixty games if need be? Yeah, exactly. We have a young team, and I just felt that going out and getting a goaltender that wasn't an overage goaltender that would fit in with their young team, play half a year last year, full year this year, and then we'll see what happens as a twenty year old. But I just felt our group needed uh, that age goaltender, and obviously he's he's a quality goaltender in our league. Mike, your import situation for the uh, Winter Hawks, uh, you, you did draft two players this past uh, late June, and I believe both are in camp, right? Uh, Simon Kanak and, and Jonas uh, Bronberg? Yes, both are here. Uh, Bronberg from, from Denmark and Nack from uh, Switzerland. And... Um, you know, from what I've seen of both of them so far, is exactly what I thought we were going to get. Uh, Bromberg's a very smart uh, two-way defenseman, and Knack is bigger, stronger winger, which is nice fit in our lineup. Um, he's he's along the molds of a Nita rider, uh, not to say just because they're both from Switzerland, but he has that body type and similar ability offensively. I think that Nita rider had to get open in the slot, strong in the stick that type of player one's 17 one's 18 mm-hmm. so good good age group for us to fit in with the rest of our young guys well Bromberg's the older guy and that as the defenseman and you mentioned you're going to have yes. somewhat of a younger team I wonder was that by design were you looking for a one of your imports to be a year older to uh, kind of have that a little bit more experience even though it's not in the WHL still a little bit more experience yeah, for sure. And I just thought with our defense, I just wanted to make sure that we added one more defenseman. And uh, if we could have got a, a Euro that was a, that one, uh, then then that was important for us. And Bromberg was high-end character guy, captain of Denmark, uh, probably played World Junior this year, played two years under 18. Mm-hmm. So he's an experienced guy, played in Sweden. Uh, but again, it's still, uh, there are, as I know, there's always a big adjustment for 
European players coming over when they enter the Western League, small ice surface, um, just everything's different for them. Mike, how would you describe your blue line core? I would say it's a little bit different than we've had in the past. Like in the past, we've had a, a very good transition up-tempo defense. This is more of a, a good two-way core of defensemen, all stable, good character guys, uh, but stable, uh, not not as dynamic as we've had in the past. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and I, I wonder, there's not a lot of household names necessarily on, on the blue line here either. There are some, you know, over the years, you've had some pretty big-name players who have come through Portland, but that doesn't mean these guys can't get the job done. So maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, who the leaders on your blue line will be, and maybe like the, the guys who are going to lead the power play from the back end for you, unless you go with yeah. five forwards or something. Yeah, well, Lud- Ludwig as a third-round pick of Florida has really emerged into a quality defenseman. He's tough to play against, but he can jump up ice. Uh, he's mobile. Uh, Clay Hannes has taken big steps every year. He's going to Ottawa's camp, and he didn't get drafted, which kind of surprised me. But he'll be our probably our leader as far as a power play guy okay. and transition type of defenseman. And then we have, you know, uh, Perna, Nolan, Quigley, uh, Chichek. You know, good, solid, stable guys. And Curtis Smythe has joined the group as an 0-2 uh, younger defenseman. All right, fair enough. Uh, moving up front, uh, you mentioned uh, some of the players who aren't back, and uh, that means opportunities for guys uh, to take on bigger roles this year. When I say that, who immediately comes to mind? Who, who are you expecting to, to become your leadership group up front? Well, I don't know about leadership, but our, our three 16-year-olds we kept last year, we kept them with a purpose of making sure they're ready at 17 to be contributors. And uh, Jarvis Hannes and, and Fromm DeLorme are all very good hockey players. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're all O2s. Uh, we added Kozak to that group. He played playoff games for us last year. He's a late O2. And uh, then Knack. So our group of O2 forwards, I think, are really good. I saw the recent Red Line report. We had three of them rated in the top 60 for next year's draft. So it's a positive sign with that group of, of forwards. Because we have the two 20-year-old forwards, we have Manic as a 19-year-old, and then uh, the rest of our age groups are below that. The one other player that I haven't mentioned is, is Newkirk. I think he drives that group. Uh, he was drafted last year by the Islanders, and he's a key spark plug. He took a big step uh, you know, from a 16- to 17-year-old. He tripled his points, and I expect him to take another big step. Well, and uh, how many players do you actually have going away to NHL camp that you'll have to do without for a little bit? Yeah, we have six uh, this year going away. I don't expect that any of them will be there for a long period of time, but they're all going to get rookie tournaments and a few days of main camp, and then we'll probably see most of them back. Okay. Um, Tell me about Seth Jarvis a little bit from from, uh, the coach's perspective, because as you mentioned, you got a few guys who are draft eligible, and he probably leads the way in that regard. Uh, had a pretty impressive Holinka Gretzky Cup. Yeah, Seth is a type of, uh, I see him more as a winger. I know there's a big debate, is he a center, is he a winger? I just see him more as a winger because he's got blazing speed. Um, he drives the net really well. He's got quick hands and tight. He's a tough guy for defense to handle because he, can, he has so many weapons with his speed, with his deception, with his shot. I see him as being uh, the type of player that this year could take a or, you know, a big step from 16 to 17. He's a, he's a, he's a player who's going to be first or second round pick probably next year in the NHL. 
all depends on how he develops strength-wise, and, and that I think over the course of this year is going to be very important for him. But I, I like the way he played at Halinka as well. I think he's a just a you know all-round player, and he plays with transition speed, which we like. Interesting about the is he a center or a wing? He is listed as a center on the WHL website. Do you play him in the middle or do you play him on the wing? Last year, I think he probably played 15 games at center, so I I play him on the wing mostly. Okay. I think he's a he's a our centers. We we ask them to to really work with our defense down low and be more responsible defensively. And I think for a guy like Seth, you gotta you gotta get him out in front of it the puck and push the pace a little bit and that's why I like him as a winger and he's not the biggest guy in the world but boy uh, the Winterhawks have produced a lot of talented players to the next level and on to the NHL who uh, aren't necessarily six foot two and and 215 pounds uh, you've had a lot of success with smaller players I think Portland and Medicine Hat seem to have strong tradition with with smaller players why do you have so much success in that way well, it, 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 every organization is a little bit different in the player they look for. And the players we look for, number one is your, your hockey IQ. Uh, see how you read the game. You think the game for all, all of our players. That's so critical. And Seth's a really smart player. So we draft and we list those types of guys. And, and then we look for skill. We look for passing abilities, skating ability. Those are two of the key things that, that we look for. And so if you, if I was to, put that description on the board a lot of times you're coming up with a, a little bit smaller player mm. and uh, we're fine with that i don't really we don't talk a lot about size when we're, we're selecting players because you don't know how you you never know how big a, a guy's going to be ryan johansson was a small guy when he was drafted to portland a real small guy and i remember uh, talking to him and just saying you know what happened? He said, well, I grew like five inches from my draft year, and, and it, it just changes the way a player is. So we, we rarely talk about size. We talk about their abilities, and then we'll see how how they grow. But the important thing is that, that along that front that they're strong. Uh, Richie Campbell does a great job as a strength and conditioning coach for us over the years, making sure these guys work on their strength every day and that they're ready for the next level because they're strong and whether Jarvis gets to be six feet or he's five, 10 or 11, I don't think it's really going to matter. Uh, you have an all-star coaching staff as well, uh, yourself and Don Hay. And, and that's like having two uh, faces from Mount Rushmore, WHL Mount Rushmore <laughs> on the same bench. How's that relationship work? I mean, before that you had Danny Flynn on the bench and in CHL circles, he's a legend as well. So uh, it's, it's never too many cooks in the kitchen for you. <laughs> Well, it's, it's actually been a treat for me to have a guy like Don or Danny uh, work with work with our staff because, you know, those guys are so experienced, as you mentioned. They've been through a lot. They can take a look at our program. They can recommend things that need to be done. They can push myself, challenge me. I'm always – I'm of the philosophy as a coach, you've got to be getting better all the time. You've got to be improving. You've got to be looking at everything you do, see if there's a better way. And the other person on our coaching staff is you – know well is Kyle Gustafson so mm. Kyle could be a head coach in the league and uh, has that ability he's a, he's a great young coach probably going to be a pro coach I would see in the future for sure and so I am fortunate to have those those guys to work with and I think for for Don and Dan, Danny it was just a unique situation where they were you know open to coming in as an assistant and just seeing how we do things here in Portland and and uh, just enjoying an experience 
uh, with us, and, and it's been great with Don. He's he's been he's had a phenomenal attitude. He loves to teach. He's on the ice extra every day with the kids. Um, I just couldn't say enough about uh, the work he's done here. And Andy Moog listed on the team's website as uh, your goaltender coach. How often is he around the team? So Andy comes in once a month now and works with our guys for about four to five days. We don't have a full-time goaltending coach. Some teams do in our league, but we don't. Uh, He comes in for four or five days, keeps in touch with our goaltenders. Obviously, you know Andy's a very experienced guy, great communicator. Um, So I've enjoyed it. We had Tyler Love and Tyler and Andy work together, and then Andy's taken over more responsibility lately. Uh, lastly, uh, Mike, and uh, I know the end goal every year is to win the WHL championship. It's not realistic for every team in the league every year. What would you consider to be a successful season this season for the Winterhawks? Well, our, our, our earmark every year is 40 wins. That's what we shoot for. And, um, and I think that that's definitely achievable this year. And then the big thing for me is, how much can we improve by January? Uh, what steps do our, does our team take? How uh, how much can our defense improve uh, from the point of view of being able to play a two-way transition game? Can our young forwards score enough? Uh, those are the questions that have to be answered. And then we'll see where we sit at, at Christmas, January, kind of have an idea heading into the second half. But when I look at our division, it's a it's a great division, this U.S. division. A lot of quality teams, quality uh, coaching staffs and management in, in the division. It's a tough division to win, uh, but certainly I think this year and next year we've got a good crack at it. Excellent. Mike, I really appreciate your time. I'm happy that the uh, it's the year where the U.S. division comes through Alberta. That means we get to see the Winterhawks uh, firsthand. Right. I'm looking forward to that, and I appreciate your time. Good luck this year. Thank you. All the best. And there you have Mike Johnson, the GM and the head coach of the uh, always formidable Portland Winterhawks. Probably the most polarizing team in the Western Hockey League. You either love them or you hate them. They've got a really strong fan base. uh, And they have a lot of people who are not Portland Winterhawks supporters. That's for sure. Great rivalry between Seattle and Portland. and Probably the the entire U.S. division against Portland. Uh, But you know what? When you're as good as Portland has been over the last uh, better part of a decade... You're going to have teams that and fans that don't like you because you've been good and you've been sticking it to them uh, for the last number of years. So there was a time when Portland was awful, uh, but then ownership changed and the whole outlook of that organization uh, changed with it. Mike Johnston, uh, Travis Green, of course, the one year they won the WHL championship and went to the Memorial Cup wasn't with Mike Johnston. He was there, he was around, but he was not on the bench as he was uh, suspended that year. And uh, Travis Green was the guy. That ended up taking them all the way to the Memorial Cup. They didn't win, but they uh, showed very well in Saskatoon that year. All right, that wraps up this week's episode. Next week on the show, four more teams that will be uh, previewed. Here are my guests, at least. And things change. I was supposed to have uh, Kelly Buckberger on uh, this week for Tri-City, and that changed in the last minute. Uh, So next week, uh, here are the teams. Put it that way. The Camelot Blazers will be up. Uh, First, uh, Matt Bardsley is expected to be my guest. I'll be chatting with uh, Alan Miller, the GM of the Moose Jaw Warriors. Then, of course, we've got the uh, Memorial Cup host, Kelowna Rockets, and that means uh, GM Bruce Hamilton will be on the show, and I'm slated to speak with John Paddock, the uh, GM of the Regina Pats. So a uh, absolutely loaded show again next week. Looking forward to that one very much. 
And a reminder, all of those interviews, I'm going to be doing them. Monday's a holiday, so most of those will be done on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, and I put them up on the Patreon page as soon as I can edit them, which takes about a half an hour, give or take. Um, and the show comes out on the Friday or the Saturday. So if you're a patron, you're going to have access to all of those interviews for about three days before everybody else does. So if you want early access as well, go to patreon.com slash show. The link to it is in my bio on Twitter. Uh, and you can also find it at thepipelineshow.com on the various pages of uh, the website there as well. All right, well, between now and uh, next week, of course, the Oil Kings are in action on uh, Tuesday. You can hear that game on TSN 1260 as well as uh, next Friday as well, TSN 1260. Uh, myself, Andrew Peard, uh, the Oil Kings will be playing Red Deer on Tuesday, Calgary on the Friday. Between now and then, get out and watch some junior hockey. Maybe uh, if you're in... In the parts where you can get out and watch some college practices as well, do that so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Till then, see ya.